practice this stuff. It's not something that we can instantly learn how to do, especially when we have habits of communication and dynamics that are very well set. You're listening to Conversations on a Sustainable Life with Libby O'Loughlin and Renee LaPlante. We're two friends, an ex-Googler and a novelist, both of us trained coaches. In the light of the climate crisis, we set off on a sustainability adventure. We packed our skills and our gifts into our toolkits and stepped out of our comfort zones to collaborate and co-found businesses and other initiatives with strangers and friends. Huge learning curves while juggling families. Can everybody's everyday actions be sustainable and have lasting impact? We think so. Join us as we figure it out. Good morning, Libby. How are you? Good morning, Renee. Well, thanks. I'm good. looking at our notes here today, and I think I'm going to be doing a lot of talking today. Ooh, great. <laughs> yeah. I love your accent, so please do. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we are going to be talking about the inner world today and sustainably managing that, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And this is a big part of sustainability, I think, and in in my experience as well, having worked uh, with people in recovery from drug and alcohol addiction, as well as mm-hmm. working with a lot of writers and uh, coaching all kinds of people. And um, yeah, it, it takes on a an important role, I think, to be able to work with our inner inner selves and understand that this life is a marathon it's not a sprint that's for and sure. yeah so I, I've put together a bunch of stuff sort of starting from the premise of not arguing with reality because in this time especially when we're in the COVID lockdown still things yeah. are being loosened up a little bit but we still have a lot of restrictions on the way we're living our lives and coming to terms with that has taken some longer than others and and there are certain things that we all Mm -hmm. still feel frustrated about and in a sense the arguing with reality the the feelings that we get uh, when things aren't going in an expected way that's a good place to mm-hmm. start. Dr. Tara Swart, uh, she's a new neuroscientist who wrote this book called The Source. And mm-hmm. I was actually listening to her again this week talking about how interesting it is that people struggle most with emotions um, and that, that we actually have six brain pathways and capabilities that she talks mm. about. And... I'm just quickly going to cite mm-hmm. that she she talks about emotion and intuition, motivation, physicality, logic and creativity as pathways. Mm. And she draws attention to the way that we've grown up with the idea that that logic has evolved as the primary pathway. Yeah, but it's not the only thing, right? And this is, I think, what she's saying, which is so important that we are all um, capable of so much more and like are we using all of that we have to offer right and all, are we accessing all those pathways and leveraging them for our lives and problem solving yep so tell me about how this plays out like where do we start I've laid that out there because I think it's important to be aware that there are these other ways of being in the world mm-hmm. and sometimes when we're in a situation like for example in the COVID situation, other things start to bubble up that perhaps weren't previously being um, paid attention to. Yeah. Um, and it especially becomes clear when we're communicating with other people. And so I am going to talk about communication, but it's important to say that upfront that it's difficult to act according to our values when our needs aren't being met. Yeah. I'm sure we've all been in a situation where we think, holy cow, why did I just behave like that? Mm-hmm. That was not me. What is going on? For sure. And 
there are different ways of looking at what needs and um, values are. And we all know about the hierarchy of needs and, um, you know, I guess in a time, especially like COVID, we're, we're highly aware that we, yeah. you know, the things like having a place to live, having food on your table, mm-hmm. um, all of those things. Like Maslow's pyramid, right? Exactly. Um, but Marshall Rosenberg is someone who started talking about compassionate communication Mm-hmm. And it, it became known as nonviolent communication to address precisely this issue of of people not being able to actually meet in the middle somewhere without without what he terms of violent communication, which mm-hmm. I think some people take exception to those terms. But mm-hmm. um, his premise being that we are actually compassionate by nature. So what gets in the way? Yeah. Um, now, if you go with the idea that we've been given feelings for a purpose, that feelings mm-hmm. mobilize us to pursue and kind of fulfill what we need or value. And mm-hmm. we, can, we can talk more about emotions later because learning how to release emotions can actually be a big challenge. Mm-hmm. But in storytelling terms, if the protagonist is to change, they need friction. And without mm-hmm. conflict, there's no opportunity for growth. And, yes. you know, if there's, n- there's no change, there's no story, right? Yeah. And that's just one way that I find quite helpful. I'm in the middle of, you know, the, the emos that I just think, well, this is, a, this is a moment where I'll be able to change at some point or use it as an opportunity for growth. It's not comfortable uh-huh. in the moment, but you know, there are ways to manage that. Yeah. And just to allow yourself to have that moment and honor it and, and know that it's impermanent and then come out the other side and they'd be like, yep, I need, I want to learn from that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and choosing the learning and choosing to ask for input and feedback and how did that go and choosing to accept and yourself and, and apologize and all of mm. that, like that, I mean, so important just for those moments where we are not really acting in our best selves. Yeah, and and I think once we're in, when we're in the middle of an emotion, and it's and it we go into that flight or fight mode. It's very hard to actually access the the logic of like it's going to be okay, you know, or um, yeah. this is a moment for change or anything, you know, wise or whatever totally and did you know okay so when i learned that or when i taught that class back at google um we learned that there's a this chemical reaction in our brain and that fight or flight mode that in that trigger lasts about 90 seconds is it oh 90 seconds yeah i didn't know that 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 yes the amount of time yes Mm. sorry my google just decided to talk to me um so um it lasts 90 seconds and then the chemical reaction so then the chemical reaction subsides Mm -hmm. and you can move on from that and then at that point you actually can re-engage your logic and that's when you get to choose right and most of us if we're not trained on it we actually just keep perpetuating the emotion and we just keep it running a little bit and then we keep getting irritated and and you know and like annoying like re-triggering it over and over and Mm -hmm. over and that's why it feels like it lasts longer sometimes yeah but actually it technically only lasts 90 seconds so if you can get through that moment and you breathe or whatever you wiggle your toes or something that you just know that your body is dealing with it and then you can choose differently like super awesome mini technique that we can all use yeah and if you've ever been with anyone having a panic attack or something you know that it's a grounding technique is to sort of say tell me tell me what you know how many fingers you have let's count your fingers or something really simple like that and it it can really be a grounding Mm -hmm. thing so one thing that I've found really helpful over the years um, which became especially helpful when I was parenting teenagers is that when you can give, give yourself a little bit of practice when you're not in a state of emotion or yeah in the middle of it if you can just set aside a little bit of time to learn some rote 
sentences in a way that can help you when you go into a situation. Um, For sure. It takes practice, this stuff. It's not something that we can instantly learn how to do, especially when we have habits of communication and dynamics that are very well set. Yes. To break that can be really challenging. Um, But one thing that I did with one of my kids when um, he was having some challenges in interpersonal communication and we were butting heads a lot and I was, I realized, um, you know, I'm really part of this too. I need to get some tools here so Mm -hmm. that I can communicate clearly with him and help him to be clear with the challenges that he was having in school. And so here, here, you know, I'll just give you a rundown and and an example here. So the the nonviolent communications approach is just to phrase it like when X happened, I felt Y because I have a need for Z or in your case, Z. (laughs) (laughs) And then you then you state your request. So and you make sure that you frame it in the positive. So it it seems like kind of overkill to be using this formal way of doing it but when when we're really aware of our values and needs um we can quickly kind of mentally reference them so yes it does it, it is useful to take some time to just kind of look at those and some people are really good at going on gut instinct here to know what what really drives them but um again we've grown up in a world that trains us to kind of use the it's the left hemisphere of the brain. Yeah. The logic, the persuasion, the productivity and the box checking. And um, so, yeah, it can be helpful to do a brainstorm on what your values might be to to make that communication process even easier. And I'm sure, sure between us we have a ton of tools that we could put in the show notes to kind of um, kickstart a brainstorming on what, yes. what values might be. Yes. But one inquiry would be to think of the time, like three times in your life when you were really happy or in the flow, like blissed out in your element Mm -hmm. and that were meaningful to you. And it's likely that those are key moments that you can then tap into to get an idea of those drivers that are out, perhaps like outside your ego, if I want to put it like that. Um, Or a more the you that has um, not, not the one that has adapted to the world after childhood so to speak but the one the one that's really central to who you are Mm -hmm. and so for example a hike in the mountains with with good friends might indicate that your values involve peace nature friendship that kind of thing or like at the birth of a child it might be that family and something like that is your values but the important thing to remember is that values are transportable so oh, yeah if you love hiking you think of it in terms of i value new experiences or i value nature because then nice. if your legs got chopped off you'd still be able to experience new things or see mm-hmm. nature in the bird at your windowsill and you wouldn't be kind of stuck in this story that but my value is that i love hiking because yeah you know, that's <laughs> So, yeah, we might not, I mean, as we get older, we might not be able to do it either, you know. Mm. Um, that's really cool. I love that. I love the idea of centering in on your values through positive concepts because I think a lot of work that I've done focuses on the negative and it's like okay so if you are if you notice yourself becoming defensive or you notice um that you trigger in somebody else defensiveness that is a piece it's an indication that a value has been touched on Mm. and yet it's really hard to work with it at that point you know um, because people are triggered or you are triggered so you have to really do it after the fact and then by then maybe you've moved on you haven't you're not really thinking about it very carefully and yeah. you know you don't even want to revisit it for that matter because it was ugly. So yeah, so I really love this idea of doing it on the positive moments and those really like bliss out moments, as you pointed mm. out. Mm. Um, yeah, and and just yeah to go to go back to that idea of what a need is in mm-hmm. comparison to a value. Then you might say yes. a, a need might be a tiny you know I want a tidy kitchen. 
Yeah. And that's not a transportable thing in a sense that's related to your immediate environment. So, and, but you can find a value in that because you can dig deeper and say that it's you, you know, it might be, you value a spacious environment. I I value space. Yeah. And that, that, that opens up a lot of possibilities there too. And can be quite freeing. So in the context of um, nonviolent communications, so values and needs are slightly, I would say slightly mushed up together in a sense because of the the way that they're they're used. But that's okay because it doesn't really matter if it's a deeper value or an immediate need because it's all related. And it's Mm -hmm. still being about being able to kind of communicate that to someone else in a way that doesn't stick us to them unnecessarily or cross onto their side of the street is another way of thinking about it. Um, so yeah, a quick crash course, which I think is very, very handy is to think about it in terms of four steps to the communication. So the first is the event. So we recap Mm -hmm. what the event is, and then it's the response to that event. Mm -hmm. The third part is the question of which of your needs is not being met. And then mm-hmm. the fourth part is to actually make the request because usually it involves some kind of a request. And as you say, you know, if you, if you're having a negative reaction to something, you know, one of your, one of your boundaries has been transgressed or mm-hmm. one of your values has been, you know, insulted or yeah. whatever. I don't yeah, know. yeah, exactly. So for example, step one, the event when I walk into the kitchen and see that it's messy. <laughs> that never happens. What are you talking about? <laughs> Sorry, keep going. <laughs> and ex- you could also do like when you say do blah, blah, blah. But I'm going to use the kitchen because <laughs> that's Great. top of mind at the moment. <laughs> um, the second part would be the response. I feel. And then you use a simple emotion like frustrated or I feel angry Mm -hmm. or I feel upset Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it's really important at this point that we don't use messy or what I call sticky emotions that assume Mm. perpetration like I feel ripped off or I feel deceived or because those those terms actually involve the other person yes Mm -hmm. very good to point out so when we choose our words we choose neutral words like I feel frustrated, I feel angry, I feel upset. And actually in the in the nonviolent communication book there's there's great lists of words that you can kind of start to learn the differences between the words that are sticky nice, and the yep. ones that and I think Marshall Rosenberg actually uses two little um hand puppets to have these conversations with each other and oh. he he talks about jackal words. Um and jackal words are the ones that are the ones that are sticky words. But the other giraffe yeah. words are the ones that are kind of the neutral words. I don't know why he chose a giraffe, <laughs> but whatever. So we've got the event. When I walk into the kitchen and see it's messy, number two, I feel frustrated. Number three, yeah. which of your not, needs is not being met? So you say, because I have a need for. When I walk into the kitchen and see it's messy, I feel frustrate, frustrated or whatever, because I have a need for. And then you choose a simple value like to be heard or for a peaceful environment, as we talked about mm-hmm. before, or for a tidy space. Mm-hmm. And it's very clear at that point that you're laying it out for the other person and then you make your request. So mm-hmm. in the future, would you please? So whatever, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. Wipe the counter. <laughs> would you please, after you've completed your you know experiment with whatever it is with pancakes which is literally happening in my household this morning my daughter has a bunch of experiments on her school homework list and that is going on so i'm really interested in using this immediately after our podcast i'm gonna go into the kitchen and i'm gonna try it out that's gonna rock thank you for that that, that's a really good one for, for example, actions. But when it when it, it's harder, I think when you were talking about when you say or do this, <clears throat> I feel ashamed or I feel 
angry or whatever. Or well, disregarded, disregarded is a sticky is, word. Is a jackal word, yeah, because oh, okay, it, never mind. it involves another person. But no, that Ooh, it's great. To, it's great to put these words in there because you start, the more you do it, the more you start to recognize the ones that have little hooks on the sides of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's actually kind of a fun exercise if you can if you can um, enjoy. I guess somehow find a space to enjoy it because it's so interesting the words that we use that we don't realize actually have these little hooks on them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as I said, it can be harder when you're talking about, you know, a previous conversation. Like when you said this, I feel mm-hmm. this because I have a need for, and it could, it, that's where you have to really dig deep and you have to go, yeah. because I have a need to feel respected or I mm-hmm. have a need to feel loved or just the most basic, it really comes down to simple things often, mm-hmm. but, yeah. but to find those can be really tricky. And it, yeah. yeah, it's like you have to hold up a mirror there. Um, so can I just pop something in here, course, which is of course. going to, you know, not going to be a surprise to anybody, but like that need for, like, I have an extremely um, strong personal need for using resources efficiently. And mm-hmm. I feel like I'm going to be saying that over and over. And I've said it to my family before, but I, you know, that will come up, you know, I, you know, when I see someone who's like overusing a product, like, you know, we're overusing paper towels or, um, and again, like there's the judgment coming in from me, like that you only need one paper towel. Why are you using three, you Mm -hmm. know? And, but to me, like that, that is such a clear value in my life. And obviously that's why we're doing this podcast Mm. is to use resources efficiently. And that's really Mm. hard when you have a six and a half year old who's trying to do stuff on her own and learn and you know try may, to may i ask you a question about that please is is there more to that is there a, a deeper need or i mean a deeper value i think there's yes i mean it definitely digs deeper in the sense of um honoring uh the work that was put into creating that resource the money that was spent on that resource um, you know, the kind of honoring even my like relatives and ancestors, if you will, that they, um, you know, taught me that that's important, right? So mm. I want to respect them and their lesson that they gave me at one point. Um, yeah, I mean, I can come up with all sorts of things. It goes, it's, it's a very, very deep seated and clear, um, Mm. well mm. <laughs> for me and yeah driver. and sometimes if it's not landing for the other person it might be that we haven't put enough not thought but but really sat with it to find the underlying value mm-hmm. um yeah i i mean i don't i don't pretend to know what that that might be but mm-hmm. um that you know that's another thing to think about as well um because yeah, like that. that's where the distinction between needs and values comes in again, because the need is about actions very much okay. in, in the here and now. And the values are the, the why the hell should I care question, um, which it. comes up in storytelling. It's like, you know, what makes this a universal thing that we can all understand that is, is transportable from situation Got to it. situation? Oh, I like so. that. Yeah, that's um, a help, really helpful distinction. And yeah, again, just a, just a small thing about using when we make our request for people in the future, would you please, we don't use negative terms like, would you please not interrupt me? Would you please not ignore my requests? We yeah. only put it in the positive and that is tricky. That takes thought and this is why in a sense, I would encourage people to go away and actually make time to, and this is why a framework is really helpful to work through it step by step, because then you're not yep. just kind of sitting there thinking, well, how do I do this? What do I do? Because if you can take some time to think, well, okay, I, I, I want that person to not interrupt me, but what is it mm-hmm. that I want in the, in the positive? Mm-hmm. I want to feel respected. I want to feel heard. I want to feel listened to. I want, you know, mm-hmm. those kind of things. It's really important to be able to spin those around and 
and put it in the positive and that actually frees us to move forward with that in our Mm-hmm. in our soul if you are in our heart to be able to go oh yeah i value that that's a good feeling you know that's not a negative feeling yeah. that's a good feeling um and then you know rinse and repeat just do yeah. it practice it do it practice it until it um and and sometimes it won't work straight away you'll the other person will just keep on behaving in the way that they've always behaved because there's an expectation about the dynamic that's going on between you. Um, mm-hmm. But at some point, usually people hear the difference and they hear the change as well. When you've done the work to frame it in the positive and you're really wanting a good outcome for everyone, people sense mm-hmm. that. So yeah. I'm going to give you an example of when I did this with my son um, cool. because it might be helpful. So my son's response when I asked him to help me clean the kitchen, I made the request in, in those terms. Mm-hmm. And, and he said, well, mum, one, when you ask me stuff like that, two, I feel really shitty and pissed off because <laughs> three, I have a need to never do any jobs ever. Ha ha. And then he laughs and then he stops himself and he says, hmm, he realized that he'd said it in the negative, never do any jobs ever. And he said, hmm, I have a need. And he walked away. He said, I'll be back in a second. I need to think about it. And then then he came back and he said, I have a need to be on my own without other people after school. Oh. So the request is I'm going to go skating for 15 minutes and then I'll pack the dishwasher. And no, that's a true story. 16? No, at the time he was like 13. You're joking. That's absolutely amazing, Libby. Yeah. And I'm not saying that he's anything special, that he's somehow <laughs> clever to be able to do this. I think oh, he was willing to take the time. Train him. <laughs> he was willing to take the time, which, which I've got to give him kudos for that. But I think he didn't like our headbutting any more than I did. Yeah. And... You know, nobody else around us liked it. And we still do butt heads now. I'm not going to lie. And occasionally yeah. we have to go back to that and say, okay, number one, when you oh. do this, I feel blah, blah. <laughs> and he knows now because we have that, we have that kind of common language. He, That's amazing. He sees, he sees the kind of the play in it as well now, which is good. Because I, I sort of have to kind of dramatically walk into the room and say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do the one, two, three, four, you know, uh-huh. one. When you, and he gets it. He immediately gets it. And, and that's that's useful. I'm not going to say that we never buy yeah. heads because we do. But it's a good common language now. I'm going to borrow that with my daughter. And now is the perfect time for us to start training this because it's really important. And, like, the sooner the better, right? Mm. This is really cool work, yeah. And And the other part that I want to say is that as someone who's spent a lot of time alone mm-hmm. over the years, it, writing, conversation, well, <laughs> writing, yes, okay, writing and having conversations in my head with fictional people. <laughs> and then writing it down and making novels, yes. Yeah. Um, um, conversations are a real gift and yeah. they're a really, uh, you know, I just, I just value so much conversations and and i think it's worth taking the time to to i wouldn't say get it right but i'm I, i'd say more, them. it's it's worth taking the time to make the space for them and to kind of enjoy the exploratory nature of 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 being around someone who you, you know you wouldn't have a chance of knowing i don't know a tenth of the stuff that's really going on in their mind so mm. yeah, it's really um this, I'm finding that this kind of lockdown phase is an interesting one because even though it gives us rubbing shoulders with people and having forcing us to find ways to live together and get for in our case you know we have we have a more or less not a spreadsheet exactly but we have very strict times that I can use the kitchen which I'm not used to at all oh yeah um, because the video conferencing is going on right next to our kitchen and um mm-hmm. there's nothing we can do about that because we're in a very small apartment and there's yeah. four or five people here 
um, most of the time. And right. so we have to find ways to get along. And at the same time, there's a lot of time in between when we would have been, or they would have certainly been um, traveling, commuting, um, yes. going out and meeting friends and stuff like that. So there's, there's a bit of time for shooting the breeze as well. Yeah. And, and I think that that's a good that's a good opportunity to really open ourselves up to new ways of, of communicating. And can I jump on that? Because there is something you said earlier that I want to come back to, which is this idea of being and doing. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you, you said it a couple times and I would love to create this distinction for the listeners that, um, we are in this moment, you know, where we're kind of reevaluating, reassessing, trying to like our whole work and work and lives are mashed together and everything's all mixed up and it's, you know, a very special time. Let's put it that way. But, um, Mm. something that, that is so beautiful about this time in, in like what a conversation is, is basically being together, right? It's, it's a, it's a being moment. And, um, the, there was some really neat, um, exploration that I did when I was kind of developing what my approach was to sustainability, which was trying to assess how much am I being versus doing and Mm. looking at my life and saying, what are these giving me? Right. And, um, the being things like holding space for each other, talking, uh, maybe even just sitting and singing together, dancing together. So technically those are also doing, you know, you're doing something, but you're, but the, the, the resource demand for being Mm. is typically much lower, (laughs) right? So you don't need a a computer necessarily. You don't need, um, a a ton of money, um, the being activities or the beingness uh, are are really low CO two, and mm. the doing things. <laughs> I love that. Right, the doing things like tend to require resources to 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 do them. So um, so I looked at it that way. So that was a really interesting exercise, and um, and I also like from a, like a personal thank you from a personal energetic level like um how much do you need to be and how much do you need to do right in order Mm. to kind of keep a balance for yourself Mm. and something kind of coming back to the logic point um in our world of structure um logical thinking um if you will also i'm going to pop it in there the masculine and the these um things that have been elevated and respected and desired and demanded from ourselves when we know we have the capability and capacity for so much more but we're you know the world kind of focuses and prioritizes a certain set of things um the that set is that's a doing set Mm, right 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 so um so it's it's also a really interesting exercise to reflect on in your life like how much are you what is what are the doing things how much are you doing them because you think someone else told you to do them and uh and but is it serving you and if you would integrate a little more being in there and, mm. you know, having great conversations is one example mm. um, and spending more time on having those deep, beautiful conversations and those getting to know each other conversations and expressing your emotions conversations like that is bringing in more do uh, more being, excuse me. And, um, and I think that we can all benefit from, uh, that. So like humanity can benefit from moving away from the constant doing into more of the being sphere and, um, just giving ourselves that, uh, balance and that, that ability to use more of ourselves and enjoy Uh our lives more just, um, yeah, just just go try it. Just try it out. Don't take my word for it. Try it out. Yeah, and what springs to mind is is this the distinction between the approach of the war on the virus, which is a yes. very a very big doing kind of thing, whereas totally um, sort of slowing down, taking stock, and going in in yep. order to strengthen and build 
um, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. A, a sustainable way forward, I guess. I'm going to use that word in, in there because I think it's relevant. For sure, yeah. So there's one other thing I wanted to mention, and that is the role of writing yeah. and what a powerful tool this can be in terms of not only regulating our emotions in the moment, um, but in terms of just self-awareness and becoming aware of the way we're using stories in our lives to talk about to ourselves about who we are and who we think we are and um, to be able to identify the sticky points in our lives that keep cropping up again. So I think about it in two ways. First of all, there's the what actually springs from Julia Cameron's book, The Artist's Way. And this is a fantastic technique whereby you have a book that's dedicated to your morning pages and this is a book where every morning you wake up first thing you do is write three pages just non-stop nice. you can write the most amount of drivel you ever thought of in your life <laughs> doesn't have to be coherent doesn't have to make any sense whatsoever doesn't have to be about anything and then after you've written three pages you just close the book and that's that and you don't look at it again mm-hmm. next day same thing and you just work your way through the book Another way, of course, is just to use loose recycled paper and just write on the back of it for three pages and then chuck it out. Okay. Burn it, whatever you want. Don't look at it again. The idea is not to be navel-gazing or anything like that. It's just to sort of clear stuff out, and that's actually a really good way, especially if you're isolated on your own, not having many people to talk to, just to actually put your thoughts down. Yeah. And the second one is to use the content like if you have a separate book or you want to do it a different way you don't want to throw throw it away and never look at it again you can actually use that content to go back and have a quick look and identify what themes keep coming up in your life and if there are sticky points that you can revisit and maybe you want to go and get some professional help to work through some of those Mm -hmm. things but it gives you a really good way to actually identify oh isn't it interesting I'm always talking about you know buckets or I'm always talking about (laughs) that annoying person over the road or just the things that keep cropping up in your life and it's a really good way to gain self-awareness so that's the second um, approach and um, there are a bunch of writing exercises that are quite useful in gaining self-awareness as well and it usually comes down to um, looking at the words that you're choosing and the stories that you're telling and the words that we choose as we've discussed in in the nonviolent communications or compassionate communications the words that we choose can be giraffe words or they can be jackal words in other words they can be sticky or they can be clean words and when we can learn to look at the words that we're using and identify if there's something more attached to it then that can be helpful in clearing stuff out so that's the two main ways that I would approach writing. I think writing is a fantastic skill for anyone to 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 get a hold of. And it's not really about becoming better at it. It's just about doing it and the process of doing yeah. it. And yeah, there's no competition or isn't, yeah, it's not you against yourself or you against the world. It's just letting it go and writing it down on a page and it can be a very liberating thing to do yeah so the next little hot tip that I wanted to include is to remove the word but yay go for and both love it and get your butt out of people's faces (laughs) (laughs) wait give us an example because it's really important that people understand what that means yeah, I will. And the my favorite example of this is I love you and no. Yeah. Really good one for when it comes to setting boundaries, saying no, and reminding the person that you're talking to that there's a bigger context. Yeah. And, you know, for example, if you want to leave a party, you say, thank you. I've had a fantastic time. Yeah. And, and I need to leave. Yeah. But 
and I need to leave. Give it, give it the party it's due. Don't give a butt. Don't put a butt in it. Just say, and it, I need to leave with exactly. a big smile. See you next time. It's joyful. It is. When we get caught up in, oh, I'm so sorry. I have to go. I have to go feed my hamster and blah, blah, blah. It's, well, it might be too much information. It might not. I don't know. But it puts a big story around the departure that distracts from the fact that you had a great time. Yeah. I love that. And You're right. The most gracious thing you can do is to be overjoyed about leaving. Yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And it has an interesting way of diffusing situations. And sometimes people get really confused when you sort of put an and in there and when they're expecting yeah. a but. So. Yeah. And what are we doing when we use and instead of but? Or like the, the but basically negates everything that you just said, right? That's why it's so damaging. All is relevant. All mm -hmm, is respected, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And I love that in language. Like, it's such a powerful swap that you can do. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm still working on it with myself. Yeah. Um, but I do yeah. coach people on that and bring it up from time to time, especially if I'm hearing it a lot. I'm like, mm. okay, so let's just try this out and see what happens for you. And, yeah, and people, if? it changes the energy a lot. And it's really great to use also in, like, organizational dynamics so it's something that I listen to for with my clients are they is that how they communicate with each other and since language is a piece of culture you know it's a really cool thing to know that there are some pitfalls that we can get into and habits we get into that we can easily switch and you know with very little effort we can start to change mm. that one word and move in a completely different direction and, and like open up the respect for each other and open up the, the, the fact that we are multidimensional and, you know, just know that, um, there's, it's okay, you know, to mm -hmm. have more mm -hmm. than one thought and mm -hmm. more than yep. one opinion about something, you know? So one, yeah, one other area that I wanted to touch on is, excuses and apologies and mm. when it comes to apologies Brene Brown has a great um, episode on her podcast with Harriet Lerner and she covers all the reasons why apologies are necessary and when they're necessary and how to how to do it basically you know there's something about apologies and excuses that I'd love to bring up on like in a professional sense too. So um, something that I love to do with kind of my one-on-one -on -one coaches is to really look into how they might make an excuse or might apologize. Like if they're going to give a presentation or if they're preparing for, uh, you know, a talk or if they're just, you know, building up confidence to kind of approach something with their manager or with a, a reportee. And um, what, what we what I like to remind everybody is that the person who's receiving your message doesn't know what you plan to say, right? They don't. Mm. So if I'm presenting a slide, that the person who's seeing the slide doesn't know what you were going to say about that slide. So there's an absolutely no sense in saying, "Oh, I'm sorry, I meant to say X," right? Um, or you know, or to, like if you feel like you're flubbing a little bit on explaining something, to then apologize for it. No, I mean they don't know your narrative, right? So mm. just keep going as if that's the narrative. Like just keep talking. Like there's never a need for an apology when you are the author of the words. And mm. you know, sure, if you're quoting someone else and you mess it up, like for sure, you know, correct yourself. Um, but you know what? We're all, and I should say, and we're all human and all humans make mistakes. So also making mistakes is not a bad thing. And it's not mm. something to be embarrassed about or to excuse yourself about. Right. Mm. I mean, if you're making a giant, huge mistake, apologies make sense. And you yes. know, if you've injured someone or something, or you've, you know, lost a million dollars or something. That's a responsibility thing, isn't it? Exactly. And is, you know, those, that's a different category, but it's so, uh, you know, I find it so empowering just to like remind people, you know, I don't know what you were going to say about that slide. So like, there's really like, just do it, just present it, mm. be confident, mm. no excuses mm. needed, no apologies needed and keep going. And I want, mm. I think that that at first, that advice first came to me through 
um, one of my former managers and now, um, you know, kind of an ongoing friend and mentor, Randy Nathlick, um, who I worked for at Google. And uh, I'm pretty sure he was the first person that said, you know, try, you know, just just keep going like no one knows. And um, mm. it has it's, been yeah, that's like a gift to have that huge feedback. gift. Yeah, <laughs> huge gift. And so let's just like keep keep that in mind also on, you know, being kind mm. to yourself. Like this is not, uh, you know, it's not something that you need to excuse yourself for. You are you. Let's mm. be let's let's mm. be ourselves. Right. Mm. Yeah. And. Yeah, I guess that sort of ties in with my last point, which is just about emotional regulation. Nice. And how challenging this is. And I think I remember someone mentioning once about how animals like horses just whinny and run it off and seem to physically manifest it to release it. And, uh, you know, other animals have other ways of just kind of releasing it somehow. Nice. Um, But again, there are no kind of social norms for horses or wombats or whatever like (laughs) (laughs) koalas yeah and we have these amazing brains that just absorb so much information from so many different inputs and so it's no wonder we have difficulties with regulating our emotions you know um but tara brach another tara oh we've had two taras on this show today wow tara brach is um a buddhist um teacher and I think she's a psychologist as well um she wrote a book called radical acceptance she's written another one called something like radical compassion and she's got some fantastic books that have a lot of wisdom and um and what I like about the radical acceptance approaches are that she has this framework that she calls rain which is r-a-i-n which is to recognize Mm -hmm. that something's going on and the a is to allow it Mm -hmm. and and then at a certain point i investigate it Mm -hmm. and then nurture it so start to kind of look into it and and then so you're recognizing what's happening Mm -hmm. the which is the sort of the roots of understanding it and then allow it just to be as it is which is she puts at the grounds of love mm. um and then investigate it with gentle attention which deepens understanding nice and nurture it which awakens the love and afterwards after you've done this you sort of start to realize that that it's about freeing yourself from the kind of narrow identity that you would have had cool so and then she also mentions the, the togetherness aspect of this, that we are in this together and we do have an innate goodness. And, um, yeah, there's a lot more that, that I could go into there, but that, that's one thing that you could look into. I'll put Tara's website onto the show notes. Um, and I think we've probably all been through phases where we have to really, really change the way we're doing things. And... Yeah, yeah, that's yeah for sure, for sure. I mean, definitely, you know, from a career perspective, something that I observed as I was kind of growing and changing through roles or responsibilities, and I mean, for sure, this paralleled in my day to day life. Um, but at that time, I didn't have a, a child. Like when I, I was kind of l- learning these lessons, that um, you that I was. Um, you know, I would reach like a kind of a, a maximum of my coping techniques of how to handle all the work, handle all the demands, handle, you know, kind of the people responsibilities I had. And then at some point it would just kind of, it would just fail and I would need to mm-hmm. regroup and relearn new ways of coping and balancing. And usually mm-hmm. at those points, there was some emotional component, right? So there's Mm -hmm. some emotional up-leveling that I needed to do and that I was, uh, the journey that's taking me to in order to keep going and to to reorganize myself. And Hmm. yes, a lot of it had to do with, you know, how balancing workload and, um, you know, figuring out how to say no to things and getting rid of tasks and delegating. 
but also, you know, it takes a lot of emotional um, energy and a lot of, um, you know, professionalism to be able to say, I don't think that I can do that or I don't have enough people to do, make that happen, right? And to push back. Mm. So, mm. Um, so yeah, so there are, there's so much great wisdom in what you shared with us today. And, um, and just even that, first building block of being able to express yourself and share the, you know, that formula, um, and communicate that way from the beginning is so helpful. It's, it's like step one for sure. Mm. And I think if you get good at that, um, you know, the other things kind of seem easier, like, you know, now we have a lot of work to deal with. How do we, how do we balance that work? How do we make sure it gets done? How do we prioritize, et cetera? Um, yeah it's interesting isn't it because i i definitely the the communications aspect the being able to express yourself stuff to for me came a little bit later mm-hmm. um um maybe because i struggled with the emotional re- regulation side of things a lot more okay, um yeah. and it took me many years to kind of really find good ways to communicate and, and maybe part of that was that the when I, when I had small children and babies, I guess I didn't have as much, well, for the internet was a baby. Um, and I wasn't able to find as much help in the sense that, that there's so much out there today. Um, and I think I was just trying to get through the days with the babies. And one of my kids was really, really not well. And I didn't, you know, I, I don't even know how I got through that, to be yeah. honest. But having had the first one and knowing that I could survive with very little sleep and um, yeah. that there were people around me to help, that somehow I got through that. But it, for me, it was very much of a um, – I didn't find a, a framework that was sort of like that logic part of the brain saying, okay, do step one, two, three, like that, which is so useful. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it feels like you're more a bit more at sea, you know, in a sense <clears throat> when you kind of go, okay, well, I'll learn how to meditate or I'll um, practice Qigong while my child is sleeping for their massive 20 minute nap. Yeah. <laughs> and that seems a lot more nebulous and harder to kind of, feel secure in than mm. when you have these steps of okay I say this I say this I say this yeah um and I guess that's where the value of community comes in because if you're on your own trying to meditate with um what's his name in your ear yeah the headspace guy that, <laughs> yeah imagine if you were married to the headspace guy and you couldn't <laughs> sleep you'd just go darling can you just do like that episode on anxiety please oh my god did you okay, know i ready? met him did you oh yeah i totally met him like <laughs> when headspace was just starting he was at an event that i was we played croquet together and he was <laughs> a former, he's a former circus performer and he's like this yeah, really fun that. cool guy and he was like bald and yeah. i think he was even doing like gymnastics on the croquet field anyway oh. it was the most hilarious thing and i just loved it obviously he has a brilliant voice and there, <laughs> yeah. you know so every time i think of headspace i think i think of that croquet game it was really fun anyway yeah. sorry i interrupted <laughs> no that's all right i was going off on a little fiction writer's tangent about being married to him so you know <laughs> um if yeah. only so yeah what i was i was really just saying that that's where it's good to have um a sangha you know or the people around you yes can, um sort of because you know they being with people regulates our emotions that's, oh yeah that's a, that's a factoid that i can't prove because i'm not a neuroscientist but i've read yeah. that and Actually, I think there's another great podcast that I listen to, which is called Dharma Punks NYC. Ooh. And this guy's also a Buddhist teacher, and he, he gives a lot of uh, great facts about how the the brain works and mm-hmm. all that stuff. So, yeah, anyway, that's... I love it. Yeah. I love it. So there's one thing that you didn't mention that I want to bring up and mm-hmm. just briefly touch on, because to me, this feels really important in the scope of sustainability. And it is about mm-hmm. your inner world. And it is called the drama triangle. 
Ah, yes. Right? Yes. Right? Okay, Ooh, wow. also important in storytelling. Um, mm. We have, okay, so you have to remind me. So we have the, we have always the perpetrator, we have mm-hmm. the victim, and we have the hero. Yeah. Right? Or the savior. Savior, yeah. It's more yeah. Like savior. Yeah, savior. And so I like to bring this up because, um, you know, many of us don't even realize that we fall into these roles and mm. it just happens very normally dynamically because we're human and um we are you know i'll just use my family as an example um my daughter starts complaining about you know something having to brush her teeth and it's bedtime and i'll say uh yes it is in fact bedtime so it's time to do that and then my husband comes to the rescue and says i'll take you i'll carry you to brush your teeth and we'll do it together right so it's mm. just this dynamic that appears in front of us and i've only started getting the hang of recognizing it but um yeah. when we are in this triangle um, you know, it's so easy for us to, we can also swap roles very easily, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's dynamically mm-hmm. moving around. And something that I like to just remind myself and also others when we're thinking of sustainability um, and is that we are, you know, this isn't a situation where the climate changing is the bad guy and we are the victims as humanity. And, you know, some person like Libby and Renee with our, our tips and tricks is going to come swoop in and save us all from this problem that we're sharing. Mm. Right. Um, I, I really like for us to just all step out of that drama triangle and look at this problem as a, a choice, right? So um, and is it even a problem? I mean, you can probably argue that a, a ton, but I think the point is, is that, you know, there are some, there are things happening in our natural environment, in our natural world that are threatening to us, um, threatening to our ability to regulate, the, you know, the weather. Well, we don't regulate the weather, but to, to be able to grow crops, to be able to mm. predict <laughs> things, right, that we have counted on for years. And therefore, um, those changes externally are asking us to um, either change some sort of behavior that we're doing, which is putting more and more mm-hmm. CO2 into the atmosphere, or it's, it's, and uh, it's asking us to adapt to the mm-hmm. situation, um, and both at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, so I just want to like kind of mm-hmm. bring it up because I think it applies to like everything we're talking about. And it, it's also a way for us to kind of take the emotion out of this problem and, you know, and be, and sit with it and reflect on it, um, a little more, um, peacefully, uh, and with acceptance and to, to say that every moment we have a choice to either contribute to this, uh, more CO2 into the atmosphere, or we have a choice to not. And, mm-hmm. um, and how can I, you know, do that even better every day and get better at it and um, learn more and evolve, right? And adapt mm-hmm. at the same time. So yeah, I just wanted to put that out there as yeah. kind of a closing thought for our our episode today. Um, Thanks so. for that, Renee. That was, yeah, a really lovely thought to close on. Yeah, so we can all um, have take that away and think about it a bit and and we can pick it up again um and figure out how we can um you know not only reduce the emotional reaction and kind of the 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 fear and the you know the must the like kind of forcing feeling it's like we have to deal with this like like we can kind of take that energy out and say you know this is a marathon this is a moment of choice. This is a moment of, um, in, in every moment we can, we can pick and choose and, um, we can, you know, inform ourselves and, and try and do a little bit better every day. Mm. So with Thank that, you. I think we're ready to wrap it up. Yeah, I think that's a wrap. We're going to get to explore all sorts of other topics in the future. I don't think that we've actually picked anything in particular yet um, to focus on for the next episode. So we're going to leave that as an exciting mystery for you. 
listeners. The mystery tour. The mystery. But what we do want to point out is that we are super curious about you and your areas of challenge. Um, Mm. We're wondering, are you struggling with anything in particular related to sustainability in your life or in your workplace? Um, Let us know. So we have a mailbag and Mm. you can email us and we'll put it in the show notes, of course. So we really look forward to hearing from you and understanding a bit uh, your questions, your challenges, your difficulties, or even just any comments and feedback that we can um, take in. And we're really looking forward to the next episode. Yep. Till next time. Till next time. Thanks for joining us. Links are in the show notes. If you found this episode inspiring, please share it with your family and friends. We can all do this sustainable life thing together. And don't forget, we have a mailbag and would love to hear from you. Let us know what your challenges are and what's been helpful. Email us at sustainablemailbag at gmail.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.